Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Amen and amen, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers and devotees, the great Matt Geib here with you once again on a cold, cold winter's day, but I'm not cold in my heart. I am alive and well in my spirit. Today we're going to start a short two-part series, I believe, and we're going to talk about the potter, the clay, potsherds. We're going to talk about how clay is made and recycled and how what that has to do with our spiritual walk as Christians. Do you know that there's over, there's like 18 references in the Old Testament to potters and clay, four in the New Testament, and they're all metaphor, metaphorical symbols or figures of speech, and what do you think that represents? God is the potter, and we are the clay. Oftentimes when we read in those passages, a lot of times the potter is God, of course, the clay is us individually, but uh, in the Old Testament especially, he was talking to the nation of Israel or Judah, or even other nations, um, like Persia, and like, um, what was it, uh, Persia, Babylon, Egypt, that they were his clay. And we're going to get into that, have what I believe will be a two-part message. And I'm going to start out in one of the uh, most popular scriptures in the Old Testament, where it really refers to this, really spells it out, and that's in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, of course, was talking to the nation of Israel, but we're going to apply this to ourselves today. All right, so here we go, Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And here the prophet, Jeremiah, is speaking to the nation of Judah, and, and he's, it's a prophecy of a kind of, um, kind of uh, grieving the fact that in this time in their history, they had gone away from the Lord, that they could not be maybe shaped in the, in the hand of the Lord the way the Lord would have liked to have shaped them and formed them. So he had to plump them down and, and, and like potters often do if a pot doesn't turn out right and start over again. And this is what this is referring to. So I want to read to you, um, well, let's go into this, the potter. This particular potter, he's talking about a man, but it's a vision uh, that's going to go into, the, uh, into uh, a metaphor about God being the potter and Israel being the clay. And in our message or lesson today, it's going to be God is the potter and we are the clay. But this particular potter, uh, in, in the natural, lived in a small settlement near Jerusalem, nearby the valley of Beth Hinnom, which was rich in clay deposits. See, they had to be somewhere where they could, the potter could have a lot of clay that he could use and work with, right? 
Um, in Jeremiah's lifetime, pottery was a major industry in Jerusalem. As Jeremiah approached the potter's house, he could see piles of raw clay stacked against the shed. Okay, inside of this potter's house would be a stone or a wheel, and, and two stone or clay wheels attached to a central shaft. The potter would move the lower wheel with his feet and, and smooth the rotation as he worked, worked on the um, raw lump of clay. So let's, let's look a little bit further. I have some other notes here from different like um, Bible dictionaries and so forth to just um, elaborate on this further for us. Jeremiah 18, 1-6 refers to the potter's house. This was not a reference to the home of the potter, but to his place of manufacture. The house would be near to a field, like I just said, where clay could be weathered and stored, where it could be prepared for fashioning. So it had to be in a good place where, you know, the clay could be found, you know, to be used. Um, a kiln for firing the ware and a dump for the broken and discarded vessels, we, we'll see later they're called potsherds, uh, of discarded vessels would be part of the potter's complex. The house would provide cover for the wheel upon which the potter would fashion his vessels in all kinds of weather. This building would also make possible the control of the drying process before firing of the vessel, you know, in a fire it, or in the kiln. It would be necessary to closely watch the evaporation of, of the newly fashioned objects since this would also influence the results of the firing process. Although most of the pottery in biblical times was shaped on the potter's wheel, the one specific reference to the wheel in the Old Testament is in Jeremiah 18, verse 3. See, Jeremiah 18 and 19 deal a lot with this topic that we're getting into today. There were two types of wheel. The hand-turned wheel consisted of two discs. The heavier wheel below uh, gave momentum to keep the lighter one above turning, but the wheel was shaped on the upper wheel. The foot-turned the foot-turned wheel consisted of a large wheel which was turned below the potter's foot. The small wheel above connected to the lower wheel by a shaft was the one on which the prepared clay was thrown and fashioned by the potter. The Apocrypha includes a detailed account of the work of the potter at the wheel. Uh, and Ecclesiastes or Ecclus, I don't know what the abbreviation for the book is, 3829 to32. Uh, perhaps I'll look that up. As the ball of plastic clay spun around rapidly, the centrifugal force upon the clay was controlled by the deft fingers of the potter so that any desired vessel could be obtained as long as the quality of the clay permitted the completion of the vessel. Jeremiah witnessed the factors, or witnessed that factors can be present th that defeat the original intention of the potter. In other words, uh, there's things that come along when a potter is throwing uh, a piece of pottery on the wheel that he has to make it into something else. It doesn't kind of come out the way maybe he envisioned or uh, the way he desired, so he has to make it into something else at times. And a lot of times that in the natural depends on the skill of the potter. Uh, Jeremiah witnessed that factors can be present. That's what I just read. Let's go to the next sentence. The clay may be the wrong kind. Uh, these are the factors that... that um, Besides the skill of the potter, these are factors that um, go into the process of what kind of 
pot you're going to end up with. The clay may be the wrong kind. It may have too many impurities. The treading may not have been properly done. Or the potter may have failed to place the ball of clay into the exact center of the wheel. If the clay does not yield the desired product, the potter can then reshape the clay into a ball and produce another vessel. It was this process that Jeremiah noted carefully. The Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible, 1978. So there again, I want you to envision as we begin to talk about this subject of potters, clay, the potsherd, I want you to envision in your mind, metaphorically, all the typology here. Yes, it's the main one is the potter is, is God, is Abba, and we are the clay. But all, listen, you, you could already see some of the some of the typology in here, you know, that the, the clay may not always turn out the way the potter desires. And in the natural, it, sometimes it has to do with the potter's ability. But we know, spiritually speaking, when we're speaking of this picture, that our potter, our Abba, is perfect. And it's how we respond to him working on us on this potter's wheel you know, that he applies his fingers to us and different tools, which we'll get into, um, uh, as to how we'll turn out. And the clay, in this picture, the clay, being you and I, because we have a free will, we have some say in how he will form us, you know. Um, that's what I want to say there. The work of a potter, I'm going to go on and read some more notes here. The most common way of making early pottery was by hand. This method usually was abandoned after the invention of the wheel. The former method commonly used coils of clay to form the shape of the vessel, which was then smoothed off into a finished form. Most of the pottery used in Bible times was thrown, you know, that's thrown, they're working on it, that's what they mean, on the wheel. So you throw the clay down and then you begin to take your fingers and work on it. The better vessels were finished off with a slip, which is an extra pure grade of clay. Better vessels, slip, you know, think of all the typology there. There are different, you know, I'll just throw this in here. There are different degrees of Christians. You know, there just are. Uh, not everybody is at the same place in the Lord. This slip, which is, is an extra pure grade, pure grade, get that, of clay, that will produce the finest colors. It was the consistency of cream and was applied to the vessel before firing it in the kiln. An additional technique, which produced one of the most pleasing patterns, was burnishing. To burnish a vessel, the potter used a hard instrument. Think of that now, such as a piece of bone and pressed against the original vessel or the slipped vessel producing the desired pattern. This method gave a play of light and shadow to the fired vessel. Wow. So let's get into this further. As Jeremiah approached the potter's house, and I've kind of really described that for you now from these readings from Bible Dictionary, as Jeremiah approached the potter's house, he would see raw piles of clay stacked against the shed. Inside, he would find the potter at his stone or wheel. See, God was bringing this picture to him. He was bringing this picture to him as he was working, you know, as this potter was working in his uh, potter's house, you know, in his workshop. He, he was speaking to Jeremiah through this natural 
occurrence through this natural trade of this potter. Inside he would find the potter at his stone or wheel. Two stone or clay wheels attached to a central shaft. The potter would move the lower wheel with his feet. We talked about this in a smooth rotation. Basic pottery. In basic pottery, pottery, a lump of prepared clay is set in the center of the moving wheel. The potter presses his thumbs deep into the center and with the fingers, his fingers begins to lift the clay, forming it into a bowl-like shape. Think of that, the potter, God, he's lifting you and I, you know, with his fingers, you know, not that God has real fingers, to shape us, you know. That's what he's doing. He's working on us, you know. Uh, you've heard that picture before. And in these pictures we're talking about, Jeremiah 18 and 19, and other places we may refer to as we get deeper in the lesson, really he's talking about nations. He's talking about Israel and Judah here, you know. And he wanted to do that. As the potter shapes the clay, if a small wobble happens, he begins to press into it, into the flawed vessel, and he, he has to start over again, make it into a lump, and he begins again. Let's, let's look again. The symbol and metaphor here. The potter is God, the Father, or Abba. The clay is you and I. That's what I'm going to refer to today. Let's, let's not th worry about the nations right now. But we are the clay. It's used in the Old Testament, this, these phrases, 18 times, potter and clay, and four times in the New Testament. It's a very important word picture. Um, you know, what can we learn from what Jeremiah observed? So God took him down to the potter's house. What was God trying to tell him? What was the word of the day, actually to Israel as a nation, but actually to individuals? What would be the word um, he was trying to get across? And what would be the word for us in uh, February of 2022? When we understand the process, when we understand the process of what is happening here, uh, we may begin to understand our own transformation. See, there's some beautiful words here of transformation, some beautiful typology and metaphors here. Suitable clay. First, we had to find suitable clay. What um, Jeremiah observed at the potter's wheel was only one of the steps in the process of the creation of a piece of pottery. Before a potter vessel could be thrown, that is formed, the clay must be quarried. Hmm, that's interesting. So we see the potter going down the road with his small wheelbarrow or cart to the clay deposits in the valley. Remember we told you about the Hinnom Valley, that it was probably a place rich in good clay deposits? You know, think about that. God is, uh, God is searching over the earth. Uh, uh, you know, it talks about, I think, in, in Chronicles, or uh, I believe that God's, searching around the world for to see whose heart is strong before him and I'm kind of paraphrasing that you know and, and so he's searching for this clay this this valuable type of clay that he can quarry and, and possibly begin to work with and shape into the kind of vessel that he desires that's what the potter is doing that's what God the father is doing so upon arrival he must first evaluate the clay that he has chosen. He must evaluate it. Good clay, now listen to this, apply it to your life. Good clay is flexible. It's pliable. It's moldable. Is that you? Are you flexible? Are you pliable? Are you moldable? Um, through the Spirit of, of God, through God working on you? Good clay is flexible. 
thrown or formed without sagging. It doesn't sag. It doesn't sink down. You know, I think of sagging as <clears throat> uh, yielding to depression and fear and all those negative things that way. Um, and it's joined to other clay without cracking. You know, it's joined together. There's a good harmony there. There's no um, division there that would crack it, all right? Think of, the, think of how this applies to, to our life in the church and how we are joined together with other saints. No clay is perfect as found. Isn't that interesting? No matter where he goes on the earth, his eyes search to, to and fro, who, those whose hearts are strong before him, if we want to use that scripture, nobody's perfect, you know? Uh, he takes imperfect vessels. If, too much if there's too much plastic, uh, that's what we call as found, too much plastic, it's too hard, they, we must, uh, Potter adds what was always called grog. And no, I'm not talking about the preferred drink of pirates. He adds grog. Grog, basically, in a nutshell, are ground particles of pottery. He has to add grog um, to make it um, you know, more pliable. If too dry, he adds water. Okay, now think of the water of the Spirit. He adds water of the Spirit. We need flexibility to withstand the pressures that will come upon us as God is forming us into the vessel He wants us to be. We need to be flexible before God, right? Uh, good news. Uh, the potter supplies the strength and the flexibility. Yes, God will supply that if you'll allow Him to, if you will relax in His hands, as it were. Um, if you're sagging, he will add grog, ground articles of pottery, to make you stronger. If you're dry, uh, he will add water. Uh, I, I would say the, 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 the spirit. He will add spirit to, what he, to the work. The father adds strength and flexibility then. The potter not only controls the process, he controls the raw material. And the raw material would be like your gifts that he's endowed you with, like Romans 12 talks about. We're born with some certain innate gifts, and even the manifestational gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, um, he controls that. He gives that to us as, as we ask in faith, right? But he controls that. And uh, the, the office gifts, he controls that. Um, the gifts of the offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, those are the offices of Jesus uh, through a man or a woman, but he controls how somebody is developed in that. Those innate traits and talents that make us unique are the raw material we're talking about. Each one of us has have unique raw material, have unique gifts, right? And God is controlling the process of how that's going to turn out if we allow him to, all right? Romans 9, 19 to 21. But who are you, O man? to talk back to God. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? There's, a, there's quite a message in Romans 9, and I don't want to get into it all, but, you know, doesn't he have the right? Uh, shouldn't we allow him to make us into the vessel I, I believe that's what this is saying, that he desires. Um, man exists to glorify God. The best way to do this is to become what God would want us to become, right? 
most of us as Christians want to be put to good use in service to the Master, in service to Abba. But there is good use, there's better use, and there's the best of use, right? We've heard that in Scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that. The point where we can consistently, uh, where we can say consistently, Lord, what is it that you want me to do, and I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to be the clay in your hands. It is not so much what we do as that we obey what the Lord would have us do. All right, let's look at another section here. Let's talk about potsherds, or what we would define as recycled pottery. Later, in Jeremiah 19.1, we learn that Jeremiah is sent back once again to the potter's house uh, for another picture lesson for another metaphorical lesson here and he was told to purchase a clay pot he's told to take it to the potsherd gate he arrives at the gate then at God's instruction he breaks the jar God tells him get this pot and you know how, how can you imagine that Jeremiah go get this pot then take it to the gate and just break it why what's what's the Lord saying here this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will smash this nation, again we're talking about Judah and Israel, and this city, just as the potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. In other words, just to give you a little background, this was the midnight hour for the nation of Judah before they went into Babylon captivity. Jeremiah was the midnight prophet um, right before they would go into captivity, and this is what the Lord is saying, because they have approached the point of no return to the Lord, really. Um, he was going to smash them. He was going to allow them to be smashed almost beyond repair, which represented being taken into Babylon captivity and losing their nation. Archaeology tells us that potsherd, the potsherd gate was a place littered with broken pottery. Many times when passing through this gate, the potter would stop and gather a few pieces. He would take them home and grind them into grog. Remember I said grog was those particles of um, different pieces of sh shredded up pottery that were used in, in making clay. You know, we talked about that. He would grab some of those pieces of broken ruined pottery, which would become the strengthening ingredient for overly flexible clay that would sag too much, you know, to make it stronger. All right? He would actually grab, can you imagine this broken, this is all broken to ruined pottery to strengthen the new vessel that was being created. You know, think of the, think of the picture there, you know. It's out of the, uh, some of the shattered areas in our lives, some of the defeats in our lives, that through humility God can take and pick that up and make us into a stronger vessel, right? The larger the vessel planned, the groggier the clay must be. Let that sink in. The larger the vessel planned, the groggier the clay must be. The more broken and ruined and uh, pieces that were brought together in humility, I'd say, uh, that's what that vessel would be made up of. Without grog, again, the clay will sag and collapse. The truth is, Jeremiah's pot that he had smashed was beyond repair, but it was not beyond transformation or recycling. Let me say that again. The truth is, Jeremiah's pot that he smashed, 
the nation of Israel. Um, when we look at our word picture today, our lives, many times are beyond the place of repair, but not beyond the place of transformation or recycling. We all walk into a church family with portions of our lives that are seemingly broken and beyond repair. Isn't that true when we come to Jesus? We have, I don't care if you've you know, been in diapers and been in the church all your life, you have areas in your life, if you haven't known Jesus, that almost seem beyond repair. We have all been at some point in time a failed vessel. Hope. Let's talk about hope. This process of recycled pottery, recreating a new vessel, as it were, um, reminds you and I that we are not beyond redemption. We can and we will be recycled and made new again. Our brokenness becomes part of a whole new work, often larger and more beautiful. Nothing is ever wasted by the potter. Our failures, our brokenness is used in the lives of others, right? When we tell our stories with transparency and honesty, you know, and I've had some of those, some of my dear brothers and sisters on here that have had lives like that. One in particular, my dear brother Jose, you know, he told his story with transparency and honesty out of a walk on the streets in, you know, deeply addicted to drugs, uh, how God brought him back to life. And he was transparent and honest. And that, it, there was strength that was brought by those who heard that about his broken pieces of his life. You can go back into the uh, Kingdom Corner podcast here, two or three episodes, and listen to Jose's testimony. What a powerful testimony. If we are the teller, God uses our grog. See, God was using Jose's grog when he was on this podcast telling about how he was, you know, just running from the law. He was a broken man because he was addicted to um, meth, you know. But God used that broken grog, didn't he? If we are the hearer, we learn from others, and, uh, and we become strengthened. We become strengthened with those testimonies of hearing the brokenness that uh, God had recycled and made new in somebody's life like Jose. Preparing the clay... In the workshop, in the, in the potter's workshop, clay goes through some preparations. Foreign articles, or particles, I'm sorry, need to be picked out. We need to pick out those rough areas, those spots, those, um, you know, wrinkles, those pieces of hard dirt that aren't pliable, and get them out, right? That's what the potter will help us with. Pieces of gravel, tree roots, water, the Spirit of God, that's what I look at, is added to make the clay into slip. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning. Slip is a mixture of clay and water with fluid consistency. Wow, when the Spirit of God is moving on your life, you're allowing to, Him to move upon you as the clay, uh, you're fluid, you're consistent, are you not? Slip is poured through a sieve which further remove impurities. Clay must be dry, must dry, I'm sorry, to a workable consistency. Mm. Before the clay is ready for the wheel, the potter will throw it over and over onto a stone slab. So you'll pick that up and just throw it down. Pick it up again and throw it down, making it more and more pliable and elastic. Well, sometimes the things we go through uh, with God, it's like he's throwing us down to make us more pliable. He's humbling us through the experiences of life, right? He removes the pockets of air that would explode in the kiln, right? 
The potter finishes by kneading the clay with heels of his hand. People at times get edgy and nervous spiritually. They don't sometimes have the patience to endure the potter's preparation. You know, when he's throwing us down, we want to run away before he's finished with us, right? If we don't allow the potter to finish the entire process, from throwing us down to then forming us, going through the kiln and all that, we may burst or break, you know, if he doesn't do all these fine perfections and take all these particles out of us when we are exposed to the fire. Forming the clay. The clay is then, once the all consistencies and particles are out of it and water has been, uh, you know, maybe mixed in for a slip, you know, and poured through a sieve to even remove more um, impurities and thrown quite a bit to make it pliable like we talked about. Um, then the prepared clay is put on the wheel or thrown on the wheel, rotated and slowly, slowly, get that, slowly, it's a process, lifted and shaped. Throwing... As, uh, that's what the potter, that's the word they use, throwing or forming, but I say throwing, a perfect potter vessel, or vessel, I'm sorry, is impossible for an amateur. The, tiny vari the tiniest variation in the pressure causes it to go off center. You know, throwing a perfect vessel is impossible for an amateur. Throwing a perfect vessel by, the, by Abba, the master potter, is not possible. It's not possible without our cooperation. Is what I'll say. Um, you know, we have to work with him, don't we? We we work with him. What does it say that um, we co-labor together? That work out your f salvation with fear and trembling. We're always working with God. It's a two-way thing. He can't do it all, and of course we don't do it all. You need both the potter and the clay. The formation of our lives and what God requires and wants to make us into require the constant touch, touch, I'm sorry, and pressure of the potter's hands. Amen? The formation of our lives and the gift and the abilities and the things that God wants to make us into as a perfect vessel or a vessel for a certain season require the constant touch and pressure of the potter's hands. We don't always appreciate it. We don't always like it, even. Without it, we will remain a shapeless lump of clay. The potter squashes the clay many times as he shapes it. It may rise an inch or two below a few, before a few flaws develop, and the potter needs to press it back down again. How often do we seem to rise and take shape? You know, oh, Lord, you're really forming me now. I'm really turning into that vessel that you want me to be only to have our lives thump back down again on the wheel. Broken relationship, a lost job or opportunity, an illness, financial setback, all these things um, tend to make us feel helpless at times and tend to, you know, be kind of a lump in our clay. We need to remember that the potter, Abba, is always in control. His hands do not leave the vessel until it is perfected. <clears throat> set aside, let's talk about that, set aside, even a perfectly formed vessel, we could say what, what would be the word be, sanctified, even a perfectly sanctified vessel has a long way to go when made and placed on a shelf to dry. See, the vessel's now made, it's pretty much the way the potter or Abba wants it, and he puts it on the shelf to dry. It becomes drier and drier. 
And sometimes, you know, that applies spiritually. We become drier and drier, um, facing temporary drying time in preparation for further transformation. Sometimes those dry times in the desert is a work of transformation that God is doing. <clears throat> uh, beauty from fire. Let's talk about that. When completely dry, a vessel is coated with glaze made from the finest silica. It looks like a dull, thin water clay. Wonder. Do you ever wonder why the clay coating? You know, when you look at that, because it seems so plain. When the coating is dry, the vessel is placed into the kiln, and it has to be vitrified or fired to become a useful vessel. Remember we talked about fire on this podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, or a week ago. You know, the fire of God. <laughs> Take a sturdy-looking sun-dried vessel, fill it with water if you dried it in the sun. What happens? The pot will melt into a lumpy mass of clay again. We are like that sun-dried pot. Lord, fill me up. I'm ready to work for you. I'm the perfect vessel you made. And we melt into mud at the first filling. Sometimes that happens. You know, we, we, we rush ahead of the process a little bit. But let's go on. He knows when we have not spent enough time in his kiln or in the fire. What a wonderful, patient, loving potter, or Abba, who will reshape the lump of clay over and over and over again. The transformation to vitrify earthenware must be fired at a temperature of 2,000 degrees, comparable to a melting pot in which metals, I'm sorry, in which metals have their impurities burned away. See, we talk about the fire of God. You know, we're purified in the fire. We talked about that. Firing the pot changes its chemical property. It is transformed. The New Testament word metamorphosed, or like the, like the change from um, a caterpillar into a butterfly, Romans 12, 1 and 2, like the transfiguration. The true godlike nature can then come out on the outside, like Jesus did uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, firing the pot changes it, it transforms it. It's no longer porous, it will hold the water, the Spirit of God indefinitely. It's more like stone than earth. In other words, it's stable and it's strong. It's visibly smaller, yet exact, the exact shape is intact. Even fingerprints of the potter can be seen on that dried, piece, uh, dried vessel of pottery. Isn't that beautiful? In the intense heat, another miracle occurs. That dull clay glaze undergoes a metamorphosis as well. No indication of, there was no indication of color before, but now there's brilliant color. Often a satin-like finish. The potter's face is often reflected in that surface then. Isn't that amazing? He's reflected in you and I. That's another, you know, um, we are changed from glory to glory, it says in Corinthians. You know, beholding us in a mirror, in a glass. You know, we're changed. When you look in the mirror, you may only see the dull coat of unfired glaze. Know that someday you will emerge from the fire, a vessel not only for good use or even better use, but a vessel for the best use. Let's ask some questions here in closing as you prayerfully think about that. How do you respond to the thought of being clay in Abba's hands? Are you trusting him to shape your life? and accomplish his purpose? Are you comforted that he's in control in the events in your life, even if things seem to be 
going all wrong, you know, the baby's sick, um, the car's not running right, you don't have enough money at this time, but are you still comforted that he's in control? Does the process you must go through as clay cause you to be uneasy? You know, how do you feel about God shaping you and molding you? You know, some people don't like to be hugged and fingered and all that. You know, I'm talking about personally. There's some people just aren't huggers. I, I'm a hugger, um, but they they're uncomfortable with that they don't they they have a hard time getting I guess intimate with the Father. But He wants us to get over that. Do you resist the idea of being clay at all? Mm. Wow, being pliable, being moldable. You know, do you want to do your own thing or do you want to just be clay and be in His uh, presence? Mm. Can you identify issues in your life that may cause you to mistrust the handling of the potter? Let's leave it at that. Uh, let's, let's just leave it at that. And we, we, Lord, we give this time to you. Lord, we give this ourselves to you, Lord, whatever we're going through, whatever hardships may be upon our life. Lord, we yield ourselves to you as clay vessels, Lord, that you can work with, that you can shape and mold into the vessel that you want us to be. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, for you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us and make us after thy will, while we are waiting, yielded. And still, God bless you, everyone. I hope to see you again on the next episode of the Kingdom Corner Podcast. And we'll dig a little deeper into the potter and the clay. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on the Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guybe. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.